Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You are listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, this is Kirk Reed. I think I am joined by my wife and business partner, Alyssa McNamara-Reed, although she's been in and out. Um, and we are, Oh, you are there. I'm here. I was just taking advantage of being able to have a little breakfast. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Here this morning. Yeah, so we are live on Facebook today, I believe. Uh, if you go to McNamaraFinancial.com, you can find us there. Is that why you're often on the screen? Because you're yeah. eating? Okay, fine. Um, we would never do such a thing live on the radio. All right. Uh, and we have uh, a special uh, guest with us today, all the way from Norfolk, Massachusetts, uh, Mr. Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consulting. Uh, good morning again, Kurt. Good morning, and I took advantage of the break to go to the cafeteria here at the world headquarters of Zardowski Consulting to grab myself another cup of coffee. Oh, wonderful. What do you have, a Keurig there or something? Yeah, full service operation here at the I, world headquarters. I love it. Um, yeah, there's nothing here. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> gallon Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee, right? No, I do, sir. yes, yes. I have something, although it's it's almost gone, which is very disappointing. Um so we are talking about social security uh, this morning. Uh, always a you know good topic. Uh, it affects you know the majority of folks, not everybody, but but most folks. What did you say that what is it ninety seven percent of the people or something? Yeah, 97 percent like? of the jobs in the country now fall under the social security umbrella. Right. So. Um, you know, we've talked kind of some high level stuff. You know, we haven't really talked you know about 
you know, benefits so much, you know, as far as, so I thought maybe we could talk about, you know, when it comes time to, you know, collect, you know, retirement benefits, you know, we could kind of talk about some of the, you know, the different, um, ages, you know, which you can collect and what that means as far as, you know, uh, benefit increases. Um, you know, I'll, I can kind of, you know, I'll kind of start and then you can, you can fill in some of the details, Kurt. Um, oh, and so when Alyssa's not here, it's the Kirk and Kurt show, you know, that's what it used to be. So Alyssa is kind of, you know, throwing a wrench in there. I'm not sure where she is right now. Um, so, oh, there you are. You are there. You guys want to be alone? That's totally fine. No, 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 here i will participate when i'm done with my breakfast all right so i know there are there are caveats and things kurt and that's where you can you can kind of fill in but um you know for most folks you know when it comes to collecting retirement benefits the earliest you can start receiving is at age 62 uh and okay so so that's the earliest now for most, you know, everyone has what's called a full retirement age, and and that and that varies, you know, from person to person based on the year in which you were born. Um, and you know, for you know, in, you can, like I said, you can fill in the details. But for most folks that are, you know, getting close to retirement or or are retiring, you know, in or around these times, full retirement age is probably somewhere between you know, 66 in some number of months and, and maybe up, you know, up to 67. I think that's where we are kind of in the, you know, in the scheme of things right now. Um, and again, but you need to check that, you know, based on, you know, and, and, and that's a quick thing. I mean, you can do, I know you can just, you know, look that, that up online real quick, you know, full retirement age based on, you know, born X, you know, X year. And it'll, it'll tell you right there, you know, that it's, you know, 66 and eight months or it's 67 or whatever it is. And basically all that means is that, you know, if you wait to start collecting your benefits till that point, you will get a hundred percent of, you know, your benefit, you know, whatever, you know, whatever that is, uh, based on what you've paid into the system, uh, over that, you know, the high 35 years. Um, and, you know, the other kind of number to, to know is age 70. So age 70 is the maximum uh, benefit that you can receive. So if you defer, uh, you know, beginning to collect your retirement benefits up until age 70, there is a benefit to doing so in the, in the form of increased monthly payments. And, you know, so, and but those aren't the only three, you know, three times that you can collect, you know, so it's not just 62, full retirement age and 70, you can basically collect anywhere, anywhere in between there. And, you know, that number is going to be different. And you can, there are, there are ways you can estimate that, uh, you know, online, you know, using the Social Security uh, Administration's website. And, you know, so that's, you know, being financial planners, you know, that's a question that comes up a lot, you know, for us with clients, you know, when should I start collecting? And, you know, we have software that we use to, you know, you know, do a financial plan and we can sort of sometimes back into that, um, you know, using their other, you know, data, you know, as far as what do they have for assets, you know, what, how old are they, how, you know, how long did they plan on living, you know, um, longevity is really, that's really the biggest factor, right, uh, Kurt? Um and, right. and nobody, nobody, nobody knows, you know, how long they're going to live, but you know, that, you know, if you knew that, then you would know exactly when to start collecting. Um, but so that's, that's the big, you know, so that's the wild card. And so, 
you know, so we always try to say, well, you know, we need to make a sort of a reasonable guess on, you know, what we, how long we think you're going to live, you know, based on, you know, family history, you know, health situation, um, genetics, things like that. And, and then we can kind of try to um, marry that with everything else, you know, that, that they have going on in their life. Um, you know, it's, it, you know, I don't want to give blanket, you know, blanket, um, you know, recommend, and this is not a recommendation, but, you know, for, for somebody that, you know, somebody that's, you know, asking the question, if I, if I know nothing about them, you know, my, my general or kind of generic advice, and, and I will certainly, you know, preface that, you know, by saying that this is just a generic advice, but, you know, I think you should wait at least until full retirement age. Now that's, again, that's just generic advice. Um, and it, and it certainly depends on your situation, but I think that that's, I think that that probably works, you know, <laughs> you know, 90% of the time, but really, really, it really does depend. I mean, this is one of those things that it, it truly does depend on, you know, lots of variables. Um, so, you know, Kurt, you know, I'll kind of give you the stage to kind of fill in some gaps that I, you know, might've left there. Or I'm sure I did. No, I think you've done a great job. Obviously for the seven, eight years we've been working together, you've been paying attention. <laughs> it's to see that, uh, as a villain overgrad, you are educable. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, so basically, as I say to folks, it's kind of this continuum. You could start as early as 62. Makes no sense to wait past age 70. Key point, though, as you point out, is to know what is called your full retirement age. And it's based on the year in which you were born. Now, when the program started, 1935, full retirement age was the month you turned 65. It was that way for everyone without exception. 1983, though, Congress changed the law, increased full retirement age, impacts anyone born actually 1938 or later. But for a big chunk of the baby boomers, anyone born between 1943 and 1954, it's the month you turn 66. But as you point out, Kirk, it continues to increase. And under current law, it tops out anyone born 1960 or later. Your Social Security full retirement age is the month you turn age 67. And as you point out, Collecting at full retirement age isn't your only option, but it means if you wait till then, you get 100% of your benefit. You opt to start at any point prior to that, you're going to get a lower amount. Your payment's reduced by roughly half a percent for each month prior to your full retirement age you'll be collecting. You opt to wait past your full retirement age before starting. Your payment gets increased for each month you defer, and it's a two-thirds percent per month increase roughly 8% per year, although you don't have to not collect for a full year for each month you defer. But these, and they're called delayed retirement credits, as you point out, only accrue from your full retirement age month until the month you turn age 70. Now, you never have to take your social security payments, not like there's a required minimum distribution or anything like that, but you have to wait past age 70, it's your right to do so, but you're not gonna see any additional increase by waiting past that point. So again, what point along that continuum makes the most sense factoring in your age, your health, employment status, you're gonna keep working, you need the money, all those things come in. And as you point out, ultimately it's a longevity decision. You know, if you're gonna know you're gonna live for a good low ripe old age of hundred and whatever, then probably you wanna wait because that ensures you have the highest possible benefit towards the end of life. Uh, and I tend to agree with you. I think people need to plan to lead and live a long life as a play, as opposed to plan to live a, a short life. But again, as I always say to folks, I don't tell people what they should do. I want people to understand what they can 
do, but ultimately deciding what they should do. My view is people have worked, paid into the program. It's their choice, their decision. But I want people to be making an informed decision, understand what they can do so they can then decide what they they should do. But it's that point along the continuum, what makes the most sense. The other thing, though, that it enters in, need to remind folks of, is how working impacts your ability to collect. Because what the law says is if you are under that full retirement age month looking to collect benefits, but working at the same time, need to understand you're limited in how much you can earn before it begins to impact your ability to collect. And this year, 2021, for example, you're allowed to make up to $18,960 without any loss of benefits whatsoever. You make $18,960 or less, yeah, you can collect each and every month of the year. Now, you make above that, doesn't mean you can't necessarily collect, but Social Security is required to hold back $1 in benefits for every $2 that you're over that threshold. So depending on how much you're making, you may not be able to collect even if you want to. But the good news is from full retirement age month on, you can work and earn as much as you'd like and collect at the same time. But under full retirement age, there's this earnings threshold that comes into play, 18,960 this year. And what counts towards that? Just two things, wages and or net income from self-employment. In other words, earned income only. In the prior segment, we were talking about taxation of benefits and adjusted gross income, and that includes unearned income as well. But for collection purposes, things like 401k distributions, bank interest, dividends, General Motors pension, those are considered unearned income, and those don't impact your ability to collect Social Security benefits. But wages, net income from self-employment, but once you hit your full retirement age on, you can work and earn as much as you'd like and collect at the same time if you choose to. So again, all those factors come into play, deciding which point along the continuum makes the most sense. Can, uh, the you know you talked about you know if you are under full retirement age and and they start you know holding back benefits. Can you talk about where that money goes or what happens to, you know to those benefits that are being withheld? Sure. So great point. So. <clears throat> The whole idea is Social Security is supposed to be the social insurance program where at the end of the day, based on average life expectancy, it's hoped that everyone ends up with roughly the same amount of total lifetime benefits regardless of when they start. And so if you start sooner, then by starting sooner, in theory, you're collecting for a longer period of time. So you find your monthly payment amount gets reduced in recognition of the fact you're starting sooner and in theory collecting longer. You wait past full retirement age, start later. Well, you're starting later, so in theory collecting for a shorter period of time, your payment gets increased. The whole idea being average life expectancy, you're supposed to end up with about the same amount of total lifetime benefits. So you, for example, have a full retirement age of 67 and you decide you wanna start collecting at the month you turn age 62. Social Security says, okay, you're starting five years early, five years prior to full retirement age, so we're going to reduce your benefit and 
it's a 30% reduction, that roughly half a percent per month, bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. But with a full retirement age of 67, you start to collect at age 62, you get 70% of your full retirement age amount. But that initial reduction from 100% at full retirement age to 70% at age 62, that's based on the assumption you're gonna collect for each and every month. So you start out collecting, happy, happy, happy. And then you get a great job opportunity. You return to work, you start to make a half a million dollars a year. Because of those earnings, your social security benefits are suspended. You're making way too much money. The good news is for folks at your full retirement age then at age 67, social security does go back and re-examines your record. And so let's say you collected only for two years between 62 and 64, and then you went back to work and never collected again till 67. At your full retirement age, Social Security goes back and says, hey, you know, we set his payment rate at 70% of his full retirement age amount based on the assumption he was going to collect for all five years. Well, in reality, he didn't collect for five years. He only collected for two years. So at full retirement age, your benefit amount gets adjusted upward so that it's as if you started collecting only two years prior to your full retirement age. Looked at slightly differently, the amount of the reduction in your full retirement age amount gets reduced. So the question always is, well, if I don't collect, do I get the money back? Well, the answer is yes, with a caveat. You don't get it back in terms of a repayment in terms of cash, which is almost as good as money, as Yogi Berry used to say. But you do see it in terms of an actuarial adjustment in your benefit amount upward so that the final reduction is only for the number of months you actually collect. So work never really hurts. Even if you have periods of time where you don't collect at your full retirement age, you're made whole. And the final reduction is only for the number of months you actually collected. Right. So that, yeah. So in, that, in that example, Kurt, where someone does start to collect and then they become employed, maybe they didn't anticipate it or whatever, and they become employed, excuse me, they started to collect before full retirement age and then they become employed. Is there any, there's no strategies for them to like suspend. I, there's a short period of time where they can reverse their decision, right? But they can't like say, oops, I changed my mind. There's no benefit to that versus what you're talking about where that's just automatically going to happen, right? Well, so... And it's, it's another area where it's important to note what your full retirement age month is. So you start to collect. Social Security has built in to the basic program an opportunity if someone changes his or her mind about collecting retirement benefits. Yeah. And an option is if you have collected for fewer than 12 months, collected oh. for fewer than 12 months, you have the option of, and the technical term is, withdrawing your application, basically asking for a do-over, all right? Okay. For Social Security to grant that request, you simply repay any benefits you may have received. Social Security doesn't charge interest. You repay the principal. Okay. And once that check clears, it's as if that first application never occurred and you're free to reapply at whatever point makes the most sense and your payment rate is set as of the date of that new application. Now you can have that 
opportunity to withdraw, repay, and reapply, again, within 12 months of collecting, and you have opportunity to exercise it once in a lifetime. But if you've been collecting for more than 12 months, go back to work, yeah, you don't have the option of just saying, I want a timeout. It will happen automatically mm -hmm. if you're working and earning until Social Security and you're making well above that allowed amount, Mm -hmm. They're going to automatically suspend your benefits based on your estimate of earnings. Okay. But here's where we have a we have a we have a caller. Can I interrupt you for a sec, Kurt? You oh, was on a roll, Kurt. Well, I I, I know the answer to that is, yeah, but I'm go, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have uh, John in Bridgewater. Uh, John, can you hear me? Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Do you have a question uh, regarding Social Security? I do. I was wondering, I'm actually a 28-year uh, uh, retired uh, municipal employee, and my question is, um, I did not pay Social Security through the employment of the municipality, but I did over the 43 years, during certain years, military service, and then working part-time, put in Social Security. So when I got my statement, it says I'm eligible to collect, and I was wondering, the municipality pension, is that fall under the GPO? I don't think it's the WEP, but it would be offset. Is that correct? Yeah, so, uh, great question. Um, we, I think we had this on the list of things to, to deal with maybe if it came up. So John, as a public employee who receives a pension based on work not covered under Social Security, but who, in addition to that public sector time, has worked and paid into the Social Security program for at least 10 years, the good news is you will always get something every month from Social Security, even though you receive that municipal pension. That's the good news. The bad news is, with fewer than 30 years of, and the art, term of art is substantial earnings under the Social Security program, the amount you get each month will from social security will be less than it would be if you didn't have that pension because this is the windfall elimination provision and under the terms of the web the social security administration is required to use a different and admittedly less generous formula to calculate the amount of your social security benefit but you're always going to get something and the more time and the higher earnings you've had in those part-time jobs or additional jobs, the less of a benefit reduction you'll see in your Social Security payment. Now, the problem with the statement, now the Social Security statement is a great tool, but it gives you a benefit estimate and it doesn't know whether you're going to get a public pension or not. So the estimate shown in the statement doesn't incorporate the WEP, but there is language that says, you know, if you think you're going to get a public pension, there are other calculators you can use to find out exactly how much of an impact that pension is going to be. But this is the windfall provision. The amount of your pension really is immaterial. It's the fact that you get it means you get less from Social Security on your own work record with fewer than 30 years of time under the system. Uh, so it is the uh, WEP, even though it's a state of Massachusetts municipality, it's not the GPO. Is that correct? Correct. GPO impacts how or, or is how that pension would impact your ability to collect based on your spouse's work record. All right. So the WEP impacts your own Social Security benefit. 
GPO is whether or not you could, with that public pension, collect any, and I don't even know if you're married or, or anything like that, but if you were married, whether you'd be able to collect based on your spouse's work record. Well, you know, that's a great question. I've been married 40 years, so absolutely it's going to impact it somehow. But, uh, and I, I think when I originally had heard this, I believe, I don't know if it's still quartered, it's uh, you have your 40 quarters that you put in, even though it's part-time work over the years that I've worked. And then... Um, hey, excuse me, John and uh, John, we need to take a quick commercial break. If you want to hang on the line, you're welcome to do that. And we'd love to have you back uh, after the break. Uh, but we're gonna... good. Sorry to take so much time. No, that's perfect. Uh, we're just going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. We are back. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, this is Kirk Reed, joined by my wife and business partner, Alyssa McNamara-Reed. And also, we have a special guest uh, all the way from Norfolk, Massachusetts, Mr. Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consulting. Uh, we are talking about Social Security today. Uh, and we actually have a caller on the line, I believe. Uh, do we still have John from Bridgewater? Yes, correct. All right. Good morning again, John. Uh, so right before the break, uh, you were uh, nice enough to call in with a question about um, windfall elimination provisions slash uh, government pension offset. Uh, yes. t two topics that we certainly uh, want to talk about, and so appreciate the uh, the call and the question. Um, so I think before we left, uh, so you had mentioned that you know you worked for a you know a public entity for a long time in which you are receiving a pension or will receive a pension. I'm not sure where you are in that uh, status, Correct. but um, and then you mentioned that you're married, and so we were uh, Kurt. Uh, was just about to kind of address the the government pension offset and how that might affect you know you and your your spouse. Uh, so Kurt, I don't know if you want to. I forget exactly where you were, but well, Kurt, if I could, uh, that was great information because I didn't realize that it's being affected by both the WEP on my end, state municipality, and then on my wife's end. We've been married forty years, so the GPO will affect her portion of Social Security to me. No, 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 no. What will happen is, so normally in spousal benefit situations, John, let's say your wife has worked as her spouse, you'd be eligible to receive 50% of her social security full retirement age amount. Except the law says you'll get that 50% or your own benefit, your own social security benefit, whichever one is higher, one or the other, but not both at once. Government pension offset though says, hey, as her spouse, you're potentially eligible for that 50% of hers, but before social security will pay you that additional money you might be due on her, they're gonna look at your public pension figure out what two-thirds of your monthly pension is, and if two-thirds of your pension is more than what you could collect on her work record, you're not going to get anything more based on her work activity. You'll get your own Social Security benefit. You'll get your own municipal pension. She'll get her own Social Security benefit, but with government pension offset, that just says your public pension limits what additional money you might be able to collect based on your wife's work record. 
but your pension has zero impact on her social security benefit whatsoever. And the other bit of good news for her is, say you pass away, I've elected option C, I think it is, so that Correct. she gets survivor annuity based on your work record, that's not going to have any impact on her social security benefit whatsoever. Because well, that's, the a, great, that's the a great question because that was one of my uh, concerns, and I did sure. set it up with option C so she would always get something if I were to pass away first. So. Correct. But, what if, but if she passes first, then John's benefit as a surviving spouse is limited. Correct. So, that would be well, limited by the GPO, correct? Right. Not even paying attention. Good yeah. job. <laughs> Absolutely. So she yeah. passes away, you're potentially eligible for 100% of her Social Security benefit. But right. GPO says before you get that additional money, if two-thirds of your pension is more than that additional money you could get on her, you don't get anything more. You Correct. always have yeah. your own Social Security benefit. You always have your own municipal pension. Right. But because of that public pension, you may not be eligible for any additional money based on her work record. Let me just finish my thought. The weapon GPO only kick in when that public pension is based on someone's own work activity. So you pass away, she gets that survivor annuity. Because Correct. the survivor annuity is based on your work history, it doesn't affect her social security benefit whatsoever. Well, that's good news. Awesome. John, you're worth more to her dead than alive, I believe is the case. Oh, boy. Uh, I believe that is correct. And uh, <laughs> true words never said. But uh, thank you very much. That was very informative. And uh, I appreciate you for taking the time out. And I, I know I probably took away from some of the topics no. you were going to talk about. Nope, that was perfect, John. Those were, those are were exactly the topics we were going to talk about. So thank you for the call. And, and to Kurt's point, watch your back. <laughs> Great information. Kurt, the only other question I might have is... Uh, the windfall on my end when I collect them 62 now, so I'm probably going to wait till I'm older. And um, would it be in the general range of 60% less, or it's based on the monthly figure of the no, pension? Yeah, it's no, it has nothing to do with the amount of your pension, John. The, the amount of your pension is really immaterial in the WEP. It does factor in in the GPO, but it is really immaterial in terms of the WEP, unless you get a really low pension, which you're not going to get because you've got long-time service. But this year, right. the maximum reduction in your Social Security benefit because of the receipt of that public pension is to lower it by $498 per month. So that's for somebody, if you have fewer than 20 years of time where you've worked and paid into Social Security, that's going to be the maximum hit that you take, but it has nothing to do with the amount of your pension. Gotcha. And according to my statement, I would make $578 a month, so it would be reduced by that amount. Is that correct? No, no it, it's, it's a whole different formula. So you'd probably get around, um, probably around 300 bucks. So I, I know what I was going to say prior to the break. Social Security has a nice online web calculator that you can use to get a benefit estimate that factors in the receipt of the public pension. You know, go to the socialsecurity.gov, click on the retirement link, leads you to link of calculators, and there's a WEP one. Now, the thing with the WEP calculator, it's a little more labor-intensive than some of the other calculators because you do have to go in and enter manually the earnings that you've had under Social Security. You get that information off your statement, but it'll give you a benefit estimate 
that factors in that windfall calculation. Oh, that's great information. So, very good. Thank you very much. Very informative. Thanks. All right, stay safe. Yep, thanks. John, get vaccinated. Thanks for the call. I'm on my second shot, so we got two weeks to go. We're good. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. So, um, I just had a quick, quick question, Kurt, regarding the Social Security website. So, like, I know you said you have to you have to punch in your you know your years of you know earnings for the web calculator. But, like, if you sign up and log in, do they not have that information loaded? Like, if if they know who you are, no. For other calculators, yes. All right, but with the web calculator, you do have to manually enter your prior prior years of earnings. Maybe they'll get around to enhancing it so you, you don't have to, but for that one particular calculator, mm. it does require you to enter um, all of your prior year earnings. All right. So yeah, so that obviously, yeah. So the WEP and the GPO, that was, that was something we were going to cover. So we can check that off the list. Um, maybe we could, oh, so I guess, you know, we have about 20 minutes, 19 minutes left. Um, you know, a couple of things we haven't quite talked about are, you know, spousal benefits, or at least not in great detail. Um, so we could talk about that. We could talk about, you know, widows, widowers benefits. Uh, maybe you could, you know, we could just, you know, touch on that. Um, I think those are probably probably the ones that we should um, cover before we run out of time here. Um, sure. Maybe, and I, yeah. uh, I'm sorry. No. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if you have a preference, Kurt, or. Kurt, so I started to cover that a little bit with John in terms of spousal benefits. Now the system, totally gender neutral, all right, works equally well either way, but for purposes of our illustration today, all right, we'll say that the husband was the higher earner, the wife was the lower earner, all right? Now, but again, works equally well either way. For spousal benefits, if the husband starts to collect, if the wife is at least age 62, she's going to be, and they've been married for at least a year, she's eligible potentially for Social Security spousal benefits. And the spousal benefit for her is going to be based on 50% of his full retirement age amount. But as I said with John, or her own one amount to the other, whichever one were higher. So let's say his full retirement age amount is a thousand bucks. Say she'd never worked and paid into the system. If she were at her full retirement age, she'd be eligible for $500 per month. But let's say she had worked and paid into the system. So her own benefit was $750. Well, she wouldn't get the 500 spousal benefit and her 750. No, she'd get the 750 because that's the higher of the two. Now, say she hadn't worked that much, though, so her own benefit was only 250. Well, she gets her own, and then Social Security gives her an additional 250 bucks in our example to bring her up to that 50% of his full retirement age amount. But it's one or the other, whichever one is higher, you don't get both at once. But let's say now he passes away. As a widow, her benefit is gonna be based not on 50% of his full retirement age amount, but 100% of what he was collecting the month he passed away, or would have been collecting had he started drawing benefits. 
So he's getting a thousand. She's getting five hundred. He passes away. Well, she now steps up, if you will, and starts to get that thousand dollars per month that he had been collecting. Now, that's the good news. Her individual payment goes up, but the bad news is it's one amount or the other at a time. You don't get both at once. So while they were both alive in our example, they were getting $1,500 a month in social security payments. He passes away while her individual benefit goes up. Now they're only getting $1,000 so that they've had a, a, a drop in income in the household of a third. So you just need to plan for that and recognize that one or the other, whichever one is higher, not both at once. So spousal benefits, it's when both members of the couple are alive, 50%, the higher earner's full retirement age amount or the individual's own. Survivor benefits, one member of the couple passes away, 100% what the deceased was collecting or would have been collecting or the individual's own, one or the other. Now, one benefit that does apply in survivor cases only is say the widow has worked, has paid into the social security program, has the option of collecting on one account at a reduced rate, for example, and then switching over and collecting based on the other account at a later date. You never get both full payments at once, but you can take one and then switch to the other. So for example, widow, age 60, because the earliest age you can collect a survivor benefits, actually a little bit earlier, you can collect as early as age 60 with retirement and spousal benefits, earliest age is 62. But she could, in our example, collect that reduced survivor benefits starting at age 60, collect, 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 collect. And then at her full retirement age, switch over, file for, and begin to receive her own unreduced retirement benefit. And the reverse could be true. She could start to collect a reduced retirement benefit as early as 62, collect, 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 collect. And then at full retirement age, switch over and collect the full unreduced survivor benefit. You're always collecting one or the other at a time. You don't get both payments, both full payments at once, but you can sequence the collection, if you will. And Social Security can provide benefit estimates to what you get at different ages. So you can think about well, which way makes the most sense? Because keep this in mind, whether you're talking about a retirement benefit or a spousal or survivor benefit, while you're under your full retirement age, that earnings limitation we had talked about a few minutes ago does come into play. So widow at age 60 working, making a half a million dollars a year, well, she's not going to be able to collect then, even if she wants to. She's old enough, she's a widow, but if she's still working, making well above that 18,960 threshold for 2021, that impacts her ability to collect. Mm. But again, at full retirement age, that earnings limitation goes away. And can you just quickly touch on like that, you know, spouses used to be able to collect off each other and then delay their own. And that really phased out. It kind of phased out, like it's phasing out like right now, it's really not right. available for most people, but can you just touch on that? <clears throat> sure, That's that was the old claim some now, claim more yeah. later strategy. Yeah. Sometimes referred to as filing a restricted application for social security benefits. File and suspend or something? File and suspend. File and suspend, but that was something slightly different. That's been gone even longer. But this restricted application or claim some now, claim more later strategy, here's how it worked. You had a couple, one member of the couple was collecting, all right? The other member of the couple at full retirement age had the option at that point of filing a or restricting the scope of the application 
opting to collect just a spousal benefit. Yeah. Which means, and we'll say it's the he, he would receive 50% of the wife's full retirement age amount without first having to take his own retirement benefit. Right. Which allowed him to defer collecting his own, which meant he'd be accruing delayed retirement credits, growing his benefit two-thirds percent per month right up until age 70. But he could receive this spousal payment, 50% of the wife's full retirement age amount. At the same time, he was deferring collection of his own. He, in, in essence, could have his cake and eat it too. It was viewed as a terrific, terrific benefit. And Congress said it was so terrific, they decided to eliminate it. Mm. And said that if you were born January 2nd, 1954 or later, then you no longer have the option at full retirement age of taking just the spousal benefit and deferring collection of your own. Because prior to the change, if you were under your full retirement age, you didn't have that option. You always had to take your own first. But the benefit was that if you reached full retirement age, you could opt to take just the spousal benefit without having to take your own first. But now, born after January 2nd, 19, January 2nd, 1954 or later, you never have that option of taking one or the other. You always have to take your own first. And good point. We need to distinguish that from what I talked about in terms of survivor benefits. Because with survivors, widows and widowers, you still have that option of taking one and then switching to the other at a later date. What's been eliminated is that option for spousal benefits, which is when both members of the couple are alive. So no matter, now, if, for example, someone born 1952, all right, so they're 68 right now, if, and hasn't, and they haven't filed for their own retirement benefit yet, they're opting to wait, their spouse starts to collect, they still have the option of taking just the spousal benefit because they're born prior to that, or January 2nd, 1954. So it's being phased out. Pretty soon it'll be gone altogether. Um, but it really totally impacts anyone born January 2nd, 1954 or later. No matter what age you're at, you always have to take your own retirement benefit first, and if your own exceeds 50% of your spouses, well, that's all you get, one or the other. Okay. Yeah, I think, um, so, I mean, because it is something that's it's going away, it's being phased out, but there, there is potentially still st time out there for, you know, for certain individuals, mm -hmm. you know, it's definitely something you need to jump on if, if it makes sense, uh, obviously. So, you know, I just, I want to throw it out there that, you know, you know, give us a call or give Kurt, Kurt I don't know, you want to give out your info? Cause I know, so Kurt, Kurt does do, do some, you know, some, um, you know, private consulting. So, you know, Kurt, maybe give out your info uh, real quick for somebody that wants to contact you for private, um, you know, co uh, consult consultation. Sure, the best way is uh, through email, or you can get the email off my website, which is www. and then all one word, zarnowskiconsulting.com. C is in Charlie, Z is in zebra, A R N O W S K I, zarnowskiconsulting.com. Yeah, so and my yeah. Email is Kurt at gmail.com as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and oh, and just, you know, to talk one more time, so, you know, Kurt and I, um, you know, will be hosting a uh, social security, um, 
Zoom, you know, webinar uh, coming up. Uh, and that is April 28th at 6.30 p.m. Uh, so if you'd like to register for that, uh, you can do that online, correct, Alyssa? At, um, yeah, I, I put it right on the homepage of the website. There's a little social security picture and you just click there and you just enter your name and email and the Zoom link is sent to you. All right, so that's, so that's at McNamaraFinancial.com yep. uh, to register. It is it is free, um, and you know the semi, you know the actual uh, presentation. Kurt usually runs what like forty five minutes to an hour, plus or minus seven, seven or eight hours. It's a <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's got a, oh, so it's got a little bit longer. Okay, no, no, no I short, I've shortened it. it oh, used to be eight nine. Oh man, I, how I forgot. <laughs> About 45 minutes, and then we open it up to questions, and I'll stay on and answer questions as long as people have them. All right. Okay. Perfect. Um, okay. okay so, before you guys continue, uh, I have to drop off a few minutes early because I have to go do the mom thing this morning. So, you guys, stay on. Kurt, good to see you. Good to see you, Alyssa. Stay right, safe. Well, yeah, you as well. I'm going to drop. Okay. Okay. Have a good rest of the um, all right. So, we talked about spousal benefits. Uh, we talked a little bit about widow's benefits. How about divorced? Uh, how, does, how, does, how does getting divorced affect Social Security benefits? Sure. And so basically for a divorced spouse to collect, now again, programs absolutely gender neutral, works equally well either way, but we'll carry forward our example. So, so, so ahead of their time. The government is so ahead of their time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But we'll say the husband is the higher earner. They get divorced. Can the wife, ex-wife, collect a divorce spousal benefit based on the ex's work record? And the answer is perhaps that a few conditions have to be met. First and foremost, the marriage needs to have lasted 10 years prior to the divorce, all right? For regular spousal benefits, as I mentioned, you just have to have been married for a year, but with divorce spousal benefits, it's a 10-year duration of marriage requirement. Second, that ex cannot be married. Again, in our example, it's a she. She cannot be married. If she has remarried and is still remarried, she loses eligibility on her ex, but potentially gains it on the new spouse. But to collect divorce spousal benefits, cannot be married. Thirdly, you have to be at least age 62. Divorce spousal benefits paid no earlier than regular spousal benefits. If you're at full retirement age, collect all the way as early as age 62, but at any point, you're going to get a reduced amount. And then how much? Well, it's as if the marriage were still intact. That as a divorced spouse at full retirement age, you can get 50% of the ex's full retirement age amount. Oh, yeah, still. Or your own one amount to the other, you never get both at once. And then the ex passes away as a divorced widow, collect 100% or your own, one or the other, don't get both at once. So basically with that 10-year duration of marriage requirement being met, being unmarried, it's as if the marriage were still intact. And it doesn't matter if the other spouse has started collecting or not. So there is one of those safeguards built in. Good point, I should have mentioned this. If the marriage were intact, we talked about spousal benefits, the spouse couldn't collect unless, in our example, the husband had started to collect. But what the law says is, in cases of divorce, as long as they're both over the age of 62, divorce spousal benefits can be paid even though the ex may not have started to collect. And that was written in 
by Congress um, to protect against really acrimonious divorce situations where the ex would say, well, I'm not going to collect because I don't want her to get mm -hmm. anything off of me. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the ex doesn't need to have collected. They just both need to be 62. Good point. And you know, so say, you know, say the, somebody gets, you know, remarried, you know, so, so they're married for 10 years, get divorced, they get remarried, but then say they get divorced again, um, you know, and, and, and say the second marriage is also 10 years. Yep. Can they, can they pick, can they pick, you know, which, sure, which five, which, you know, okay, okay. Yep, yep. They're not going to collect off both. Right. And one or the other, but whichever one is higher, as long as both have lasted at least 10 years and they remain at this point unmarried. Sure, they can pick one or the other, whichever one is higher. Mm. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, all right. Let me see. So we didn't. I, don't, I know that there's a a very you know very small you know death benefit um, that that is paid to a you know to a surviving spouse. I, I I don't know what the I know that number gets adjust a little bit, I think, you know, for inflation. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> and that's why, and that's why it, it's, it's relatively small, I guess, because it hasn't gone anywhere in however right. many years. So what, what is that number these days? Yeah. yeah. So it's the same number it's been since the 1950s. <laughs> oh, jeez. One time, and I, you know, my characterization, paltry $255 lump sum death benefit that could be paid. Now, back in the day, somebody had worked, paid into the system, they passed away, then that 255 would could, could be paid to in in every case there'd be a priority listing of who could collect um, since the 80s or so it's been limited now so the only people who are eligible to collect that paltry one time 255 are a surviving spouse or surviving children who might be eligible to collect based on the worker's record so it has been limited in the number of instances where it be paid but the amount hasn't changed since the 1950s or so, 255. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, I think the next time we come on, we ought to focus on the survivor program aspects because somebody works, pays into the system, passes away on an untimely basis. They leave kids behind. Social Security has a very active family protection program where kids up through the age of 18 or if age 19 still in high school can collect a monthly Social Security survivor benefit the amount of which is based on the deceased parent's work record. And that's a hugely important benefit because there's around 3 million kids these days under the age of 18 who get a monthly social security benefit because their parent is passed away, parent is collecting disability, or the parent is retired. So it's a family protection program. And maybe next time I'm on, we'll go into the, delve into this a little bit more. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, lots, I'm sure, yeah, lots that we didn't get to, but, um, you know, I think we hit some of the, most of the high notes. Um, so we're just you know, about like to close, you know, you always get asked that question. Is it going to be there for me in the future? We started with that. And I always like to remind younger folks in particular, yes, it will be, but it's there for you today because of that survivor benefit protection and disability protection. So hugely important program. It's important to learn about what it is, but also recognize what it isn't. All right. So we're going to close out. Thanks again. So that was Mr. Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consulting. If anybody would like to contact him directly for a, you know, a private consultation, uh, the seminar is April 28th. You can sign up on the website, McNamaraFinancial.com. Uh, thank you for listening and have a terrific uh, Easter weekend.